so many women um, underestimate and undervalue themselves. They just don't think about it. Women are so accustomed to just doing it and just getting it done that they don't think about what it took for them to get it done and the value that they can place on that. That when they come to the table, they have so much to offer and they, they really need to understand that. Welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. I'm Amy Adams, and today I am sharing with you an interview that I had with Helen Sanchez of Tanagi. Helen is a career consultant and coach helping women over 40 finding valuable, meaningful work. She graduated from the College of New Jersey with honors with a double major in Women and Gender Studies and African American Studies and received the Alice Paul Award for Activism. She's a graduate of the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching and she has many years of experience working in recruiting. I'm really excited to share this interview with you today because Helen talks about managing ageism in your job search. Before we get started, I'm just going to speak briefly about ageism in the workplace. Basically, it's a form of discrimination that occurs when an individual is treated unfairly or excluded from opportunities due to their age. When we're younger, we don't really think about that too much because the world is new to us and we're ready to go. And we might even think that we're being discriminated against when we're younger. So I think there's kind of like this middle range of age that is really fruitful for both genders. But unfortunately, ageism is something that is prevalent uh, today in society and affects both men and women. But studies have shown that women tend to experience ageism earlier in their careers than men. According to a 2019 report by the AARP, nearly two-thirds of workers aged 45 and older have seen or experienced age discrimination in the workplace. Plus, a study by the Center for Talent Innovation found that while men are more likely to experience ageism starting in their mid-50s, women start to experience it as early as their mid-30s. This can have a significant impact on an individual's self-esteem, financial stability, and overall well-being. But really, when we look at it too, the self-esteem, you know, even when you're an expert in your field, if you're getting passed over because you're older, this can create a kind of negative uh, spiral for people. And it does not benefit the employer or the employee or the teammate, however you want to frame the uh, topic. It's a serious problem and one that really needs to be addressed. But Helen, who I've had many conversations with, um, we, she has told me about something that I hadn't even really thought about, which was intergenerational teams in the workplace, 
where individuals or different age groups work together, offering really numerous benefits. These teams bring diverse perspectives, skills, and experiences to the table, which can lead to more creative problem solving and better decision making. Younger team members may have a fresh perspective and knowledge of new technologies, while older team members may bring wisdom and experience gained over years in the industry. By leveraging the strengths of each team member, intergenerational teams can foster a collaborative and innovative work culture. And this is great for the bottom line for companies. And it really takes an effort by a company and the management there and the leaders to really make sure that there is a diverse group of people. But there's so much wisdom that older people can share with younger people and vice versa. Mentoring is something that needs to happen. Um, intergenerational teams can provide opportunities for that and professional development. Older team members can share their knowledge and experience with younger team members, helping them to develop their skills and advance in their careers. On the other hand, younger team members can teach older team members new skills and technologies. Fostering a culture of learning and collaboration Intergenerational teams can create a positive and supportive work environment that benefits everyone on the team. Overall, intergenerational teams can bring a wealth of benefits to everyone, especially the employer or company or management or whatever you want to call it. From increased creativity and innovation to better collaboration and knowledge sharing. And this way, everybody grows and becomes and does the best for the higher good, right? Okay, so I just wanted to uh, pop in some of that because all of this I've learned basically through Helen from uh, over time. And I think that, you know, this is a really interesting, uh, this is something that management, uh, that companies really need to be aware of and really for a thriving creative work environment to really be the best company, to be the best business, this is something that can lead to really a beautiful product or a design or whatever it is that is happening. Innovation, um, this all happens through collaboration and creativity and different perspectives. So let's get started with the interview right now. Helen, welcome to the Mindful Soul Center podcast. Hello, Amy. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad that you have agreed to be to come and speak with me about ageism. I wanted to ask you first about why you decided to work with, especially with women over 40, and what motivated you to take on that group of people to help them? Well, it was a combination of having my own personal experience with ageism in the workplace and um, being what I consider to be a recipient of discrimination uh, from managers in my previous employment. So after experiencing that, I did some research on age discrimination affecting women in the workplace. And when I saw the results, it was very startling to me. Uh, also, 
during my research, I had, of course, studied the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, and that sets 40 as the age of uh, discriminate, the beginning of discrimination. That's very true with women, more so than men. Uh, during my research, I came across one phrase that particularly irritated me that said that men age like fine wine and women just age. And so that the, all of those things together were the incentive for me to to decide that I was going to go out. I, I recruited and managed recruiters for 35 plus years. And so I decided I was going to use that experience along with my studies, my research and my personal passion and work with women over 40 on managing their career and their opportunities and, and just dealing with ageism in their search. I remember one of my very first corporate job, I worked in human resources for a little while and we used to uh, fill out those reports about how many people um, you know, were in different groups because it was under the federal law that you had to file these reports. And I was actually surprised because back then, back in the olden days, in the early 80s, there was a category of the reports that we had, and then it uh, highlighted women employees who were over uh, 40 and over. And um, that was one of the statistics. I'm not sure if that was a federal requirement at the time, but it was something that the corporation monitored, which I found fascinating. I know there were some lawsuits because women were losing their jobs after they turned 40. Right. Well, that's part of the reason. Uh, well, number one, let me just clarify that at my age, the 80s is not back in those olden days. But anyway, <laughs> uh, those are my olden days. <laughs> but that's the reason for compiling the statistics so they can defend themselves. Mm -hmm. Not out of the goodness of their heart. No. Yeah. Well, at that time, the corporation, we did all the reports. I mean, I think we had there were over 100,000 employees. So <laughs> it was a lot. What do you, what kind of service do you offer to somebody? So if I'm, I mean, I'm well over 40. And so if I wanted to come and um, come to you, what, what would, what could you do for me? How could you help me? Well, I think it's, um, there, there's different offerings that I provide for someone. I, I, I just do um, coaching, which includes helping you decide uh, what you want to pursue, what you want to do in the next chapter of your life. If you just came back from a gap, how you're going to best represent yourself coming back from a gap. I work with people on re, um, revamping, so to speak, their resumes and um, putting their best foot forward on their resume. Uh, unfortunately, uh, ageism, the, risk, the burden of, of uh, overcoming ageism in our job search falls on us. Um, as as the candidate, as the applicant. So we have to understand how best to present ourselves so that we don't make it easy for them to figure out how old we might be. Uh, in my, what I mentioned earlier in my personal experience with ageism, uh, I had been offered a, a position, shake hands, this is your job, this promotion is yours. Uh, when I met someone who couldn't guess my age, and so it was hard for people to guess my age um, since it's way up there. But um, but later that year, I had a personal experience that allowed that person to figure out 
that I was at least in my 60s. So, um, so all of a sudden that job disappeared. So that's what I mean when I say the burden falls on us and how we present ourselves, both in our resume and the format of our resume, which I help people to design their resume. Um, I do not compile their resume because they need to have a classic format that they'll be able to tweak for job descriptions or for what they're um, pursuing. Uh, I can help them with uh, interview skills, practicing interviewing, how to answer questions, building their confidence, which so many women um, underestimate and undervalue themselves. They just don't think about Women are so accustomed to just doing it and just getting it done that they don't think about what it took for them to get it done and the value that they can place on that, that when they come to the table, they have so much to offer and they, they really need to understand that. So I can uh, help in coaching with, with that issue. I can uh, help with resumes. I can help with interview skills. So when somebody has an employment gap, I mean, obviously a lot of times people will uh, take a break to um, raise their kids sometimes, or maybe return to school even, or uh, what are some other reasons why some women will have that kind of gap? Uh, caregiving. For like elderly parents, even any yeah. kind of caregiving. Again, the burden, societal burden falls on women. Take care of the parents, so they're caregivers. Take care of the children, so they're parenting. Um, yes, if they want to go back to school, they might have a gap from that. Uh, so th those are usually the, the main reasons for it. They may have been a victim of a downsizing, and it's taken them a little bit longer to get back into the, into the workplace. Mm -hmm. So anybody, or even just maybe somebody just had like a crisis and just said, you know what, I can't take my job anymore and uh, I need to quit. <laughs> that, that's a possibility right. too, right? So, Absolutely. and then trying to get, okay. And then they kind of said, okay, I'm ready to go back. So I need help. Um, now, I, I know that that is a huge problem that women, um, they do do a lot and they don't understand the value that they have. So, but is that different than imposter syndrome? Well, imposter syndrome is usually women who are achieving important, valuable things and underestimating themselves or uh, thinking they're not capable of doing something because they don't have the tools to do it when they do. They're similar, but uh, I think that especially in people who sometimes are either looking to change their type of work they're doing, whether they're going into nonprofit or whether they're, they're even thinking of going out on their own and women who are in the workplace. Uh, again, that all involves confidence and having an understanding of your own value and how important what you bring to the table is. And so, for example, when you're interviewing, uh, you need to be able to, to sit down and and discuss that, have stories that talk about what you've done, what you've achieved, the experience. I mean, every employer, their goal is to find the person that they can fill the job to do the work they need done with the easiest transition. So if you can do your research before you go for an interview and understand how you can add value to them, then that's what will be important when you sit down. So really the self-worth thing is a, a huge issue. I mean, that's 
even not just in the job search, but I think for women in general, like there's a lot of, it's a kind of, uh, especially, I mean, I only have experience in two different cultures, but I would say in American culture, the self-worth is a huge issue because there's um, a huge pay discrepancy also. So it's like a reinforced, I don't know what you call it, like a reinforced it's a socially constructed socially there you go socially constructed um opinion that has carried on i mean if you go back to again my you know the early part of my 100 years no just kidding um <laughs> you know women had to have a man sign for a credit card for a bank account you know so so it's it's been a a social construction or a tool of dominating women over the years and this is the way that women have been treated and the way that they've grown up. And so it's difficult for them to, to shed it and say, you know what, I'm important. I'm valuable. And what I do is, is really uh, a big deal. So yeah. that's what they need. It's great. I mean, it's, yes, it's like, it, it, I think it's not even like you're consciously aware that you're undervaluing yourself sometimes. Oh yeah. No, it's, it starts in childhood when girls are taught to not confront. I'm reading a book called The Authority Gap about how women will be interrupted in meetings. Women will be talked over. Um, This starts in childhood when the boys are allowed to say what they want and do what they want and the girls are not. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, it's an unusual occurrence when you're raised that your voice. um, And I think it's, it's probably uh, more prevalent today that women are raised that their voice is important and it should be. Right. Yes. The gap is getting um, smaller for that. Right. But again, socially, the, the you know, the way in, in school or in, in uh, perhaps social events that your children go to, you know, sometimes the mindset is still that the little girl is quiet and listens and the little boy can say what he wants when he wants. Mm-hmm. Yes. So. I've observed that from some people that I've known, even <laughs> with their children. Yeah. So, and I also thought, I mean, I just want to share a little story, which is not career related because we were all too young to have careers at the time, but it was kind of the middle school age, like junior high age, where I remember so clearly this time when I was at the ball field, there was a big park and they had ball fields. I mean, there was all kinds of things there. It wasn't just a ball field, but some of the uh, guys were like, Hey, let's all play softball or baseball or whatever. I don't know. People had stuff with them. And um, normally all boys and girls would all play together. And I remember this is kind of like a defining moment because I wanted to play. And so did a couple of other people. But then there were a group of girls who were then not going to play. They were going to step onto the sidelines. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and what basically ended up happening is that no girls played and okay. only the boys did. And then all the girls watched. And I just right. remember thinking that's terrible. <laughs> right. Well, and it has continued because look at the women's soccer team. Look at what they've achieved and how they had a fight for the acknowledgement of what they achieved and how they, the mindset of how they're um, considered is so different, whether it's women in politics or the soccer team, when they pull their shirt off. Okay, well, if the man was out there pulling his shirt off, you wouldn't comment on it. Mm -hmm. So why are you commenting on it now? But 
socially, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Really, are an undercurrent. No matter how much we fought for it to change, and are still fighting for it to change, it is there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I even know for myself, I struggle with this because I read a lot, uh, watch a lot of content, and I'm really interested in learning about a lot of different things, and. Um, I will sometimes uh, seek out like a male person for advice about some things, whereas, or accept their authority more um, because that's how I grew up. So it wasn't even a matter of, it's not that I didn't know strong women, I did, but there was still this deferential thing. Right. And it's still, again, it's still so prevalent. Look at the, um, I think the prime minister of one of the Scandinavian countries. Oh, yes. She went to Yes. And again, as the commentator said, if that were a man out there dancing, there would have been no comment. Right. Yeah. She even but took a drug so test to prove yes. that she didn't take drugs. Right. Because she was a young woman. Right. Uh, I, I think she's in her thirties and, and successful, but even that, doesn't protect her from the different mindset of analyzing every movement she makes. Right. Well, I feel like as a woman, I want to always try to support other women. And also, so when I find myself falling into that thing um, or recognizing it, it's not that I like punish myself over it, but I do, I'm trying to be more aware of it because, um, it is a little frustrating to me to see that because I, I remember too on a YouTube video I was watching, it was about something about gender roles and about uh, boys will be boys, some kind of thing. And I watched two videos. One was by a man and one was by a woman. And it was the same exact topic. And the comments on the YouTube video for the man were like, oh, yes, we, you know, um, you articulated that so well. That's such an interesting point. Your um, it makes so much sense. And these people, both of them, were saying identical things. And the woman received horrible, scathing, disgusting troll comments. And it was just so it was so upsetting to me. And I thought, why are people even wasting their time? you know, bashing people, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the contrast is stark and it's, unfortunately, it's what does make it so easy for women to underestimate their value. And because again, socially, this is what they're fed all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and women are usually um, so good at what they do and do so much, obviously, because they take care of the children, they work, they, do everything and um and they do it well and so they ju- they just really need to sit down and and um think about what they've done what they've achieved and and all the pieces of that because there's always so much in it um i've talked when i talk to people i've i've said you know for example if you're a parent or if you're a caregiver so maybe you organize the school trips for uh, your children's class and the events. And so you had to deal with all those personalities and probably negotiate between mothers who was going where and who was doing what. That's all skill. That's all value. As a caregiver, maybe you um, you did medical 
took care of medical billing. Uh, same thing uh, as parenting, you have household budgets that you've had to maintain. These are all skills and you need to look at them that way and you need to present them that way. You need to understand their value and understand how much you've achieved in doing them. Mm-hmm. And that way you build your confidence before you step out. Yeah, that's uh, so now um, let's talk about imposter syndrome a little bit because this is, you know, a big catchphrase. And uh, right. but it affects women of all ages, so not even just ageism. Um, but um, tell us a little bit about imposter syndrome. Women being harsher on themselves than anyone else because they they they're concerned. So, for example, when a job description comes up, there are statistics that show that a man will apply for the job uh, if he has sixty percent, something like sixty percent of the skill. A woman will look at it and go. I don't have all of it, so maybe I should not bother. Um, so again, they're uh, undervaluing themselves, and in imposter syndrome, this is what they they're they're doing, and and it's a result of again uh, the perception. Uh, so they they perceive that they're not as skilled, that they are not going to be able to. If there's if there's a promotion, and a woman has gotten. Uh, excellent performance reviews throughout her career, has made a significant contributions. She can look at that and say, I don't think I'm ready when she's more than ready. And a man who's not ready will say, yeah, I can do that. Um, so so that's it's just the, the constant undervaluing and not thinking that they can achieve everything they want to um, and that they're as good as they are. Uh, so So it's that's what they have to deal with when, when they're trying to overcome that. Now, do you think, because I know also that imposter syndrome, you could even be in that promoted job and then you feel like you're a fake, right? Right. right. So right. Do, well, does that, yeah. uh, st- do you think that goes away for women as they get older? No, I think they have to work at it to go away. It doesn't go away just because you're older. I think um, perhaps they have more confidence, but you'll find uh, older um quotes older, um, executives, women who, who still question themselves, who say, who will say to you, well, you know, I, I was successful because I was in the right place at the right time. No, it was because you worked very hard to be successful. So, um, so I I don't think that goes away uh, with it. It's, it's learning to, again, uh, understand your value and what you bring to the table and how important that is. Uh, And you have to work at it. It's not just, um, I think when we get older, perhaps we get more outspoken, but unfortunately, again, the nature of the workplace and um, the dynamic today actually can make people as they get older in in their um, late 40s or early 50s, um, make them more nervous and have less confidence, even though maybe they understand what they brought to the table, but they're going, but they're not going to like me because they're going to say I don't fit the culture or I don't, um, you know, I'm not going to learn. Or um, there are assumptions made about um, age that are totally, totally erroneous. Just, yeah, that statistics and studies have shown are incorrect. Now, what about um, intergenerational work? Well, cross-generational teams are more successful. They're more productive. Um, but unfortunately, companies um, companies have to be educated. They're not. Uh, there are some companies that are very uh, in tune with the value, 
um, of aged, um, aged employees, their stability, their passion, their commitment, their loyalty. Those are all traits that they won't find in younger employees, but they have to be educated on the value of those. If you uh, Google the word returnships, you'll find companies who have returnship programs for uh, people who are coming back from a gap. And so obviously those companies, from my perspective, obviously those companies place a value on experience and on what you bring to the table despite your age. So those are good companies to look at for opportunities because that their philosophy should, although every hiring manager is an individual, their philosophy should um, support the fact that you come with experience and, mm-hmm. and age. So say for instance, um, a woman decides that she, so she comes to you, you help, you help her refine her interview skills and uh, her resume and her. Yes. Her interview skills, her resume, her confidence. Uh, you know, you sometimes just understanding what, what they want to do just depends. So if a person is going to um, returning to work or changing jobs and then they come to you and they built they're from building their confidence and their interview skills um, would, what I was just kind of thinking about in my mind was, is, I mean, I don't know, maybe this is not true, but I was wondering too, like, if I was going to go back to work in a corporation, I would hope that the corporation would want to invest in me and continue to um, offer certain programs. I mean, I know where, where I worked in the past, like anybody who was in a a position they continued to invest in their employees like you mean by training yes yeah yes that's part of the problem with age discrimination when you're an existing employee is that sometimes you are um kept out of training and learning opportunities because they feel like oh how much time are they going to be here or what do they have left or they're not going to grasp it which is all false um but as far as um Going back from a gap and going into a company that's going to train you, your your best bet at being competitive today when you are in that, quote unquote, again, older sector, that over 40, is to do as much updating as you can before you go for that job, to do as much certification training or whatever it is that, I, I you know, depending on what you're doing, what industry you're in, what your job, what your role is. Um, keeping yourself updated, going through professional organizations for training or conferences or whatever it is, but keeping yourself updated and fresh on what's going on in your industry. And even if you've been, this is why um, also if you're currently employed or you were employed, it's it's important to keep your network of, of associates and because that way you can keep fresh partly with them and with obviously uh, online and and with publications, keep fresh on what's going on in the industry if you're staying in that industry. So it's important for you not to go into an interview with an expectation that um, you can say, "I can do the job. You just have to train me." I mean, obviously, there's a there's a learning curve and a training for every job, but you need the fundamentals of what you're doing, and you need to make sure you're updated. And and that shows that you're willing to learn and that you're eager to learn and that you are anxious to be 
current on what's going on. So when they see that, that's a good reflection. So maybe, yes, you can get additional training, but you need to go in at least with um, a current status on what's going on in your industry. So for example, if you're asking, can you go into a job coming back from a gap and, and, and go somewhere where you can be trained, that would be one of those returnship programs mm -hmm. because that's like an internship for people returning to the workplace. Yeah, I never heard that expression before, so that's really interesting. So, and then finally, what would be some advice that you would offer women who are uh, returning to work or deciding to change careers? What is like one key thing that they should know? Uh, I think the, the one thing I would say, I guess the one key thing I would say is they need to make a commitment and they need to put it on their calendar that I'm going to spend X time every day working toward finding what I want to do. Um, that doesn't mean going on Indeed and putting your resume in for 10 jobs. That means making sure if you have not developed your resume that you're getting the right format. That means working on your networking for a certain period of time, at least a few times a week. That means maybe practicing your interview skills, maybe filming yourself on your phone and cr criticizing yourself, doing a critical review of yourself, um, that you need to appear energetic, passionate, uh, all of those things, confident um, for interviews. So I, I think the, the key to success, because finding a job is a job, is to put time on your calendar and make a commitment to do it if you're not working every single day. If you are working, then it's harder and you, you commit less time, maybe a few times a week. But you have, to, you have to commit to that time and to locking it in and to doing it because it's not going to happen if you don't. Yeah. So perseverance, commitment. Yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. good words, good things to follow through with. So um, also now before we close, I, I will be sharing Helen's website and her information in the show notes if anybody wants to reach her. And I'll put all the links and all the good stuff there. So thank you, Helen, for speaking with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Well, thank you, Amy. I enjoyed chatting with you. And I hope that the information is helpful to your listeners. I'm sure it will be. Nose where the wind will blow. How can they tell what the future holds? Get out of your head Don't say it won't yet Push the pedal and lay back Take a breath and stay on track Find what you've been searching for Turn keys into every door How can they tell what the future holds? holds? Get out of your head. Music in this episode includes Nova's On Track and Benson's Come Together. 
Be sure to leave us a review on Spotify. It's really simple. Just pop up to the rating, click on the stars, and you'll see five stars there. And you can choose one, two, three, four, five. We're also on Amazon. We're on all your favorite podcast platforms. Leave a review. Let us know what you think. And thank you for being here. Your past is over your shoulder Keep moving, you're getting closer Push the pedal and lay back Take a breath and stay on track